Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. This is episode 89, I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I am Francis. Hey everybody, welcome back. So this episode is a history episode, first week of the month. And um, we are taking a break from our World War II episodes and talking the history of civil rights. And civil rights is a story. And you know, snakes and otters, we love stories and storytellers. Mm -hmm. And I think we probably consider ourselves a little bit of storytellers as well. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Especially since I got two budding novelists here at the, at the well, table with me. Well, you got your own idea. You're kicking around. That's right. I, I do. I do have a That's couple true. of ideas. Because, you know, at some point. We will launch the Snakes and Otters Publishing House. That's, that's true. That's, that's that exactly would be great. Right. Yes, uh, we will dominate all media. True Renaissance men are multi-talented. That's right. So you know some of the characters in the civil rights story, but I, I wanted to take this episode and talk about some of the other characters that were important. You probably have heard their names here and there, but I think it's important that the names... Not just be remembered, but they be talked about. Yeah, right. I, I think that's especially true uh, because in my looking for some of the lesser known civil rights leaders, um, you know, obviously you're going to run into all the big names, which, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. is the one that everybody gravitates to. We did a whole episode. And we on did him. a whole episode on him, rightly so. Yes. But so many of the others became leaders uh either because there were specific social issues that they were speaking out against yeah. or because of some tragedy that had happened mm -hmm. that drove them to their uh, activism, which I think has its own poignancy and its own power mm -hmm. yeah. as stories. You know, Martin Luther King Jr., starting out, he was doing it because he saw the injustice, not because of the, the you know, the personal tragedy. Obviously, it was not an easy life. You didn't have that, you know, uh, you know, somebody wasn't murdered. Yeah. He wasn't. You know, yeah, there's not an inciting incident. It's bigger than that. Right. It's not. There's not an inciting incident in that same way. Right. Uh, and, and to me, that I, I think struck me more so uh, with some of the other stories mm -hmm. uh, that I was looking at. Yeah. Because some of those do. In fact, some of those. Almost all of them. Yeah. Seem to. And many of these are not about activism at all. Right. And some that's of kind of simple justice. Well, yeah, right. or just uh, occurrences. We'll get into that here. I mean, it's easy to remember. Uh, Dr. King and Rosa Parks, who stood up and who made a conscious choice. Well, technically, she did not. Well, that's correct. That's right. <laughs> oh, boy, yeah, that's right. Exactly. She walked right, right into that. I sure, just like it. Running sat into down a door. where she wanted. She sat right, stayed where she wanted. Exactly. Right. And Malcolm X, who was definitely an activist and things like that. But some of the ones that we're going to talk about, they just happened to, yeah. something happened. And yet they have become part of the story. They're part of the story. The martyrs, icons, leaders, mm -hmm. uh, all the way around. Um, the first person I, I wanted to talk about um, that I've always found so fascinating because of his bravery is James Meredith. And mm -hmm. James Meredith was the first black man to enroll at the University of Mississippi. Uh, inspired by uh, John F. Kennedy to do so. And um, that's pretty darn brave. <laughs> it was, yeah. Uh, you know, what, what year are we talking about here? Uh, he in the early 60s. Yeah. yeah. He in 1962. 62. Yeah. So yes. it's, I couldn't remember if it was during the Kennedy administration or not, uh, because you know, the, there's something similar that goes on in Alabama at the same time under Wallace. And of course, we get, and Forrest Gump was there. We've seen that one and stuff yes. like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, picks up the book and stuff like that. Uh, but you're right. This is, there's a serious act, there's a choice involved here uh, on his part, which not all of the people we'll talk about will have that choice. Uh, but uh, he certainly did, and the fact that he did what he did is obvious, the reasoning behind it. This is an injustice that needs to be righted, and someone must step up to do this. Somebody has to be first, mm -hmm. uh, and and he did so um, in an area that he knew. I mean, he could be killed. Uh, his family could be killed, uh, and, and you can tell us more about uh, all the, the yeah. story itself but, and what happened. <coughs> pardon me. Uh, of course— is aided by the NAACP mm -hmm. in filing suit because uh, obviously wasn't granted admission right away. Well, sure, yeah. He, he had to apply twice, and he was a veteran. And if you take, you know, black off of the resume, 
There's no reason. There's no not reason to. not to be. Right. Um, but because there's a black man, he and was denied admission. Yeah, in and it's, it's a state. See that's and that's kind of what part of this is. Is once you go federal versus state, particularly in the South. Yeah. That's its own battle cry. It is. Yeah. Uh, so that, and it's also a, it's kind of a euphemism too. Well, yeah, a stealth you know, way of, of institutionalizing racism for people that don't want to be called it, but still want to do it. Yeah. You know, in the early 20th century, when a good deal of the Confederate monuments that have been taken down went up, you know, these are not dating back to right after the Civil War. These no. are yeah. um, 1900s, 1910s. Yeah. yeah. The first 10 to 15 years, 20 years, maybe of the 20th century when these went up, that's when the lost cause transformed into states' rights. Mm -hmm. Which, yes, there's that political aspect because that's the the political maneuver by which the South wanted to keep their slaves. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a lot of of truth in in that rallying cry that you know maybe the federal government doesn't belong in in certain things. This obviously is not one of them. Mm. Um, but yeah, far too often states' rights that's how they have can become be, that euphemism. Yeah, that's, it's like it euphemism. is dirty. What is a actually a good thing to remember? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That forever federalism. Country is a real thing and it works, but when you use it to hide behind it for a nefarious purpose, you're, you're selling the idea of, of federalism. Well, federalism itself is, is by definition should be neutral. Yes. It, it's what, it's what your reasons for applying it are. Yeah. Uh, and well, I was talking about they had, that, that, not that they had sullied federalism, but sullied uh, state rights. State state's rights. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that, you know, anybody who, who cries out, you know, states' rights, you know, the government doesn't have any business being here, you're automatically now seen in a different light. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's become a buzzword. Uh, that as soon as you say that, uh, it's been co-opted by this radical side that you can't say it now in a, in a legitimate argument because all of a sudden, wait a minute, that's the argument of these radicals, and I'm being kind, that, you know. Oh, we are a family show. Well, that's right. Well, it, it, it's tainted. It's tainted the term. Yes. We, we don't like tainted language. Uh, so, uh, but anyways, we kind of got off on a down rabbit yes, hole there. Yes, but uh, back to yes, uh, he did file in federal court. and uh, Some place he would win. And he won and well, was which granted is an argument, admission. Which is an argument for federalism. Yeah. You know, that sometimes it's necessary. Uh, when you can't get a fair trial, essentially, mm -hmm. because of uh, systemic uh, biases against you in your locality. I mean, think about it. In a criminal case... Uh, if it rises to the level of everybody knows about this, you move the venue to right. give the defendant a fair trial. Uh, that's kind of what happened here. So, but he, he was able to eventually enroll uh, and did spend two semesters at the University of Mississippi and um, others followed in his footsteps. And the world was forever changed. And it was, he was a pioneer who changed the world. Yeah, that's the kind of thing, you know, the pioneer opens up the possibility. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's the first guy that finds gold. Mm -hmm. It's the first guy that lands on the shores of a new new land. Mm -hmm. All the it, He's the one who makes possible all the rest who come behind that end up doing, you know, the lion's share because of the, the sheer numbers. For good or ill sometimes. For, for good or ill. Yeah. But doing the lion's share of the, the, the trailblazing. Um, you know, and that's one of the things that really, I think is important to remember when we talk about the unsung heroes, so to speak. Um, it's not just the leaders of the movement. It's especially the guys who followed him. The guy, you know, the people who followed Rosa Parks mm -hmm. and stayed off the buses right. for over a year. That's right. Mm -hmm. yeah, the folks who rode fire, right? You know, that, that got uh, into, there's that, the freedom rides. That's right. That, very that much happened. so. You know, mm -hmm. All of those things. Uh, we don't know most of their names, which is unfortunate. It's. You know, there's no way around that. I mean, that's just the way history works. I would like to think local folklore does keep many of them alive. Yes. But, I mean, as far as a, as a people nationally, it's you know, most of those names are forever lost uh, to the national memory. Whether they're lost locally or in history books is a different thing. Um, that's why I think this is such a great episode to do. Just because to, you know, to go a little bit deeper on remembering, it's not just the guy who stands up first. There's all the other people that follow behind mm -hmm. that are mm -hmm. just as important because you got to keep that alive. Because if he had gone his two semesters and nobody else had followed him, it was a wasted opportunity. It yeah. was an asterisk. Yeah. At best. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he inspired that 
coming behind, which is important. That's what the trailblazers mm-hmm. are great for. And barrier breakers, too. Yeah. Because once the once it was broken, uh, once you had it uh, you know, codified in law, then you know, it couldn't stand. Racism couldn't stand. Right. It's the Little Rock Nine. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's those who are willing to go first are important, and so are the ones that followed after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why it's important. I think, again, they're all characters in the story. Yeah. And every character is important to the story. And uh, you, you've got to keep that name and keep talking about mm-hmm. these uh, these folks um, and keep that alive. Well, he has a happy ending, but not everybody that you talk with about. No, yeah, does. unfortunately, not everybody. Yeah. Speaking of which. So uh, do you guys want to take one? No, no, no. I, want, I, I, I want you to get to the next. The first one will write their list on your list because that's what I want to talk about. Oh, you want to talk about Emmett Till. Emmett Till, Till. yes. yes. That's the Emmett one Till that... was a, a young man from Chicago visiting family in Mississippi uh, in 1955. And uh, in one of these, oh, yeah, right, kind of things, supposedly he said something sexual to a white woman who owned a grocery store and was grabbed up off the streets um, and basically... His husband who, uh, who ran the store, he was away on a business trip, and her brother. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, essentially, they... Took him to the riverside and <clears throat> killed him and dumped the body. Dumped the body and uh, it, this is it, a young man. This is not an adult. It was, yeah, it was, yeah, he's, he's fourteen under, years under, old. Yeah, he's under eighteen. I remember that. Yeah, yeah he's, he's fourteen, shot, he's, and um, it could have just been another, you know, black man dead in Mississippi, but his mother had his body brought back up to Chicago. Yes, and, and had an open casket, an funeral. open casket, and a, and a very large funeral. And this news, then, um, this this story, mm-hmm. uh, story. captured uh, the country, right? Because there were pictures of the body in the casket, and that went viral for the <laughs> yeah. for, for 1955. Yeah, yeah, right. And it's, that was extremely important. Uh, she was one of the ones that I was going to mention because that took a lot of bravery for her to do. Yes, and that took a, not just bravery as far as physical harm because there was certainly that element. But I mean, think about that. Her son was so badly beaten that the only way, because he was living with a, a, an uncle. Yes. Right. And the uncle, the only way that he could identify the body because his face was so badly pulverized was by a ring that he wore and the initials on it. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the reasons why the two men got off, was acquitted, because the jury said, well, you didn't properly identify the body. So we don't know who's been killed here. Right. So you're, which is essentially saying, we know these guys killed somebody. <coughs> But we don't know it's the guy you're accusing them. <laughs> wink, wink, shake, shake. Right. There's the there's that biased system again. Right. So for her to 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 have that open casket funeral for her son, when you think about what yeah. your 14 year old son, freshman in high school age, which is the same age as my son, and to display his battered and beaten face and body like that, mm-hmm. that that to yeah. me that's just an astounding right. act of. Moral courage. Well, it is because she, you know, uh, because she didn't let her her obviously traumatic emotions uh, push her back into submission. That was the whole point: is we will not submit. She we, also was one of those. I'm sure she had her moments, but she said, "I never hated them for this." You know, she didn't turn into a, you know, into a a, a revenge movement for mm-hmm. her. She wanted justice, obviously, which unfortunately there was no justice. Yeah, in that. yeah, you know, never not, really anybody. Punished. Not in '55, but you know that <clears throat> this was one of those moments that moved the needle in in, in the nation's yes, eyes. Uh, you could not help the, the Civil Rights Act, in many respects, gained ground as a as a need needed thing in Mr. Right. and Mrs. America's mm-hmm. I, uh, right idea because of Emmett Till. Right. And and this is, you know, we, we talk about the Civil Rights Act. Most people talk about the 64. 64, yeah. But there were several prior to this and right. several presidential orders, uh, you know, Truman first desegregating uh, the, the military. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Ike, uh, I believe his was the one opening up uh, uh, economic opportunities for government contract uh, mm-hmm. in the defense industry mm-hmm. was the primary focus of that. And, uh, and sending the National Guard... Uh, and to, sending to the National Guard to Arkansas. To, to Arkansas, which is that was a huge deal too. Yes. 
that was really big. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, obviously those are big, yeah. important things, but they, they underpin and support the, mm -hmm. the, the other yeah. stuff. It was, it was, in very, very many respects, these were all dipping toes in the water to try to do something. They I, I think, and I, you know, I'm kind of projecting here, I think they recognize there's a huge injustice here. I don't know that we have enough political capital and clout to make the changes happen, except you, incrementally. Right. Well, you do what you can when you can. That's exactly it's, it's, it. Yeah, I mentioned uh, some of the parallels with abortion uh, in the show prep. And, you know, is does the law come first or do you have to change the hearts and minds? As, as you know, I propose, I think it's both. You have to yeah. start with hearts and minds of some in order to get the law changed. Right. And you change what you can. And you take opportunities. And, you take and, and Emmett Till is a great example of that because his mother saw the opportunity. Yes, I'm to, not turn sure. tragedy to turn a tragedy into something much bigger than that. And I'm not sure she was even thinking far as far-reaching as it turned out to be. Right, probably not. Uh, who, who, could who, who could possibly yes, I mean, know? Just, uh, she just wanted to, Every, to make the world known that yeah. uh, this horrible thing had happened. Which don't Emmett forget Till is about just the Emmett. one we know about because yeah. look through the 100 years prior to that, how many other unknowns right. were killed in similar or worse ways that never got... Uh, the moment for justice at all. So it was not just Emmett Till in that casket, but it was all those that went before oh, and many that went after, too. That's very poetic, sir. Well, well and I think that had to have been on the minds of many, and I'm sure it was Certainly, though, out. whether yeah. it was his mom understood that or not, I don't know, but certainly the certainly many in the country did yeah. after that uh, because the picture's worth a thousand words. Yep. Uh, well, it, changes, it changes hearts. And, you know, probably the Civil Rights Act does not happen if television had not come along yet. Because you get to see a lot of the stuff in your home. Why did you know? Why is the Tet Offensive seen as a horrible defeat for the U.S. when it was actually a victory? Because the of the banks. coverage on television. That's right. Yeah, and the World War II didn't come. Didn't, had you know far greater numbers and far more opportunities, but it was a different thing. And part of that was media, but I don't want to assign them all the power for that. Well. <clears throat> There's a media aspect to it, but I mean, the media was a lot more um, deferential, mm -hmm. uh, and the media was not embedded like they became. That's right. That's correct. Mm -hmm. So you know, but this it's it's here. It's at home. There's it's, no way it's to, on your TV every night. Well, it's, yeah, it's unfiltered. It, yeah, you know, it's unfiltered. Uh, yeah. You know, media and embedded in World War II man, a writer from Ernie Powell. time or someplace you know, like or that. life was with troops. And then you got their report. His perspective that he uh, he's a storyteller, so he told a story. Uh -huh. But when you and he was see also it, subject to being censored too, of course. Yeah, it, and but if if it's a camera, it, there it, it's it's your own eyes. Yeah, it's, and you make there's, the there's there's nobody telling you a story. Right. Well, it's like the, the Vietnamese guy shooting the guy in the head. Yeah. You know, we've seen that picture. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the sort of thing that is incredibly important for so many reasons, but not the least of which is it makes it real. The pictures yes. make it real. So the whole civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s, it's a perfect storm of media, uh, television, uh, newspapers, still hugely important, all covering these things essentially real time. Mm -hmm. Pulling the mask off of, of awful things that the perpetrators didn't think anything of. And that's, and that's what's really insidious. That's exactly We have it. a yes. hard time understanding this, uh, given the age we are. We are all born after the Civil Rights Act. Exactly. Passed. Granted, a year and two years, you know, for those. Well, sure, but. But it's still, we came of age after. Yeah, in a post-Civil Rights Act world. Yeah, and I don't think you can underestimate the difference in attitudes, even in such a short time. That's right. And so it's really hard to grasp some of these things yeah. that two men could literally go to a man's house, drag out a 14-year-old boy, beat him nearly to death, make him carry um, uh, some kind of flywheel for a cotton gin, which is huge, heavy. Was, the article I read said it was like 75 pounds. Yeah. Beat him to death, tie it up, tie him up with barbed wire with the, uh, to that weight and yeah. throw him in the river. Yeah. I mean, they probably thought his body would never be found. Yeah. And probably thought nobody would care. Stupid is as stupid does, Mrs. Blake. Yeah, I think that's a big key of, of, well, so what? Just another 
right. yeah. Little that little word yeah. in the river. And that seems unfathomable to me. It is. It's today. It, it is today. But I mean, it's I, I have a hard time even wrapping my head around how people can think like that. Yeah. How, how are they conditioned to think that way as normal? Well, that's just it. The Their condition. Exactly. The conditioning. And that's and that kind of you go back earlier than that. And you've got, what, 150, 200 years of conditioning that the black man is subhuman. Right. You've got generational. The way into racism is generational, but so is the way out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it takes time to fix that. And we're kind of at that moment, you know, if you want to put a stake in the ground, when it all changed, when it turned, it's that, for lack of a better term, of course, it's a process. It's that, it's that act, 64. Right. It, well, yes. Uh, yeah. It, it is the, it's, it is the defining moment. Of it's the a movement. convenient yeah. the demarcation line. I get yeah. it. Um, and I think what it did and what all of these stories have done uh, is that it, it made it wrong, capital W, yeah, for this to be the way normal people think. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean institutional effects of racism went away. It didn't mean individual racists went away. But it was no longer acceptable as the norm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, right. always closet racists after that. There's closet racists now. There's open racists now. Yeah. Always will be because that's part of the fallen nature but they're, they're, they're more and more marginalized, fortunately. Right. So making, the, making you know, that's what we grew up in is that it, it's, it's just not acceptable to think that way. Mm-hmm. Now, we're at the point where it's now becoming not acceptable for the vestiges of the institutional uh, racism right. or the institutional uh, good old boy network uh, to cover up things. You know, mm-hmm. We've seen that in the church. Well, sure. That's no longer acceptable. Well, that's right. You know, the, shine the clear light of truth, to use an image, and the rats scurry away. Right. Uh, you know, you, sometimes you have to, you know, put the light in the dark corners and, uh, and and purge yourself. I mean, a little revolution now and again is a healthy thing. Yes. So that's exactly what we're talking about here. As Jefferson said, the tree of liberty must sometimes be watered with the blood of patriots. Blood of patriots. Yeah. And a few tyrants. That's right. Yes. Well, I, the light of truth, That's that's a very... Apt metaphor, I think. Well, I stole Especially it. for Emmett Till. I stole it from John's Gospel, The yeah. Light of the World. I mean, the light of the, I, mean yeah. I, I didn't But that's, that's what his mother did, is, is shined a light on yeah. something that it was easy for people to cover their faces and yeah. not know and what's she going didn't, on. And she did not flinch from the opportunity. Uh, she had the forum, and part of it was because of where she lived versus where this happened. Yeah. And it, it broke it all open. In many respects, yeah. if you want, I think that's kind of the big dog daddy moment. Where things changed. Yeah, uh, I mean, granted, it's a process. Lots of things happen, but wow, it's the tipping point. Yeah, it, it's a, it's, it's one of those. Point. It's one of a, one of those major tipping points. Well, what else you got there? Let's Hall? talk about another martyr. That it, this is a story that is very close to home and really uh, hits home for us here. Uh, Alberta Odell Jones, the first black woman to pass the bar in Kentucky, and to be appointed a city attorney here in Jefferson County, Kentucky. So, and what year was she appointed? Uh, this is uh, in the early '60s. She disappeared in 1965. Um, year I was born. They yeah. found her body in the Ohio River, and of course, it was going to be swept under as you know a drowning. Right. But they found her car, and there was blood in the car. So it became clear that without foul play, it happened. Someone. Murdered. Lured her out of her home in the in the evening, uh, and then got her out of her car, uh, killed her, and threw her off the Sherman Minton Bridge. Now, was it because I I know the name, but I'm not familiar with the details of it. Certainly not from since I didn't grow up here. I don't know how much, I don't even know how much you guys are familiar with it. Well, I mean, no. it happened the year I was born. I mean, no. uh, it, it was it was long past at that point. There's a but you know what? Yeah. This is one that locally you're talking about. You know. Mm-hmm. Local memory. The local four, should, yeah. It should still be I mean. here. It, it sh- should be here. It should be here. That's correct. Yeah, but it's not. But it's, it's not. not. It, there is, yeah, there's very, very little institutional memory in Louisville of this. Um, it, it's just every Did they once. Did you did? No. It, no one's ever been arrested or prosecuted. Oh, my God. Uh, for the crime. And uh, it's, it's one of those that every once in a while pops up on the news, and someone will say it's still open, and there are... 
uh, funds from the federal government to continue the investigation. But I mean, again, somebody it happened five years later. It's 1965. Uh, yeah. Whoever has done it is almost certainly dead as well. Um, but it is, it, yeah. I mean, this is one that that we should know here in this town. Um, May she rest in peace. There should be. I mean, there really yeah. should be an Alberta Odell Jones Street or yeah. something. Yeah, absolutely. A park. I'm, I'm surprised that we did for that, yeah. Uh, yeah, that should be done. And she's she's both. I mean, she was she's a pioneer and a martyr. A pioneer and yeah. a martyr. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned the word martyr because I, I was thinking about this when we were doing some sh when we were when I was thinking about this when we were preparing for this. Martyr is the right word, but it's not the right word because martyr, at least in the classic sense, implies somebody who willingly gives their life yes, for mm -hmm. a cause. I like the word victim better because in her case and in Emmett Till's case. We call them martyrs for the cause, but they certainly didn't see well, themselves as that. I, I would say not all martyrs are willing. I understand. I, it's yeah. kind of a parsing of the words uh, here. But you know, I think, we, I think martyr is witness. Is we go back to that's right. the word is is a witness to the truth. Right. So that's I want, that's what I wanted to tease out. Was, yeah. You know. Right. I mean, she's the only witness to her truth. Unfortunately, yes. And, and, that's right. And cannot tell her story in any way. Uh, yeah. Just. And I, I just I just kind of wanted to lay that out there because, you know, we know as we one of our ideas is words mean things. Yes. And we wanted to kind of go a little bit deeper with that. Well, I understand what you're saying, because, I mean, you know, I would say all martyrs are victims as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not all victims are martyrs. No, but yeah. it, it may be a game of semantics, but you know, we're yeah. always good at that, too. Exactly. Uh, one thing I want to mention about uh, Emmett Till, <clears throat> which I found interesting. Mm -hmm. And so this just proves that even those who are part of the uh, incident can reform. So the woman that he was accused of uh, grabbing and making lewd advances to, uh, the woman who was the, with her husband owned that grocery store, she recanted yes, her story. Yes, she did, yes. yes. She recanted and said that you know he did not do any of those things, and what happened to that boy shouldn't happen to anybody. Mm -hmm. And when she said boy, she did not mean it in the... In the pejorative sense. Right, she's talking about a teenage boy. Yeah, correct. Yes. Just, a, just a young, young Yeah, just man. a young man. And I was I was pleased to see that because it, it, it is proof that not everyone is irredeemable. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, hearts hearts can change. Hearts, hearts can, can be changed. Change. Yeah. Yes, that's right. They can soften. Yeah. So, so before we go on, uh, oh, <clears throat> we need to yes, uh, bourbonify. Yes, to so talk about our bourbon. I am finishing uh, the last of my double oaked bottle. I'm going to have to go out and get a new one. Uh, always a good. Good bourbon. Uh, I wanted to do this one first because I knew we would have uh, a good reason to. But well, what are you guys drinking? So I have uh, some of your Four Roses neat. <laughs> yes. I just yes, we are recording today in the atrium of Studio R, mm -hmm. uh, one of our favorite places. Well, they're uh, all our favorite places. That's what's right. Yeah, even though it's just a winter view, we do at least have a view and mm -hmm. yes. view on three sides. Nice uh, wooded. Landscape in the back, and it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's great. Absolutely. My empty pool with the ripped liner. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention it, sir, but you're certainly welcome to. Uh, yeah, we look forward to the day when it's fixed and it's summertime out, and we can you know bask in the glorious sunlight, which seems to have gone away yes. this, these days. But uh, I'm doing the uh, 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 drinking your uh, Knob Creek maple. Ah, uh, yes, the maple. Uh, well, I mean, I'm, you guys know I'm a sugaraholic. I love, I love the sweet stuff. Always have, and that's kind of this is my breakfast bourbon. Is this has got it. it. <laughs> this is this is way sweet, but I like it that way. Uh, it's still got a little bit of the nice burn. Uh, stays in the throat and all that yeah. stuff like that. So it's a. You okay there? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to cover while you talk while you cough there, uh, Marty, Marty, to make sure that you don't. Uh, uh, we don't want to have any Heimlich maneuvers or any of that sort of stuff going That's on right. here. <clears throat> you don't want to get it all over the equipment. <clears throat> yeah, I think a little, a little four rows. Tickle in the throat there, right? exactly. So that's what we're all drinking. And like I said, the reason I chose what I consider the good stuff, the best of, of what I had, because mm -hmm. obviously you need to raise a glass to all of those who fought, all of those Absolutely. who were leaders, but especially all of those who were the unknown stories, the foot soldiers who did. Amen. The massive amount of work. All those people <coughs> following behind Dr. King in the marches. All mm -hmm. those people who stayed off the buses. That's right. And, all and those who still fight it today. Who were the silent martyrs and all those who still fight today. Yeah. Uh, exactly. To them and, and to, to you know what they have done for all of us. That's yes. very well said, Robert. Yes, very, very. Robert has a way. 
Well, that is why he's now called Robertus Malleus. That's right. Robertus I was wondering Malleus. if you guys were going to get that out. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, we, we've taken to Latinizing our noms de pod. And uh, so he is Robertus Malleus, Robert the Hammer. And mm-hmm. you are. Oh, oh, don't, don't ask me to do that because I haven't got it written down in front of me. Franciscus Humanitatus. That's it, exactly. There you go, yes, Franciscus uh, Humanitatus. Because I don't think I've actually spoken it aloud since we came up with this. That's right. Francis the, uh, the humanist is the intention here, anyway. And Martinus Gentis. Yes. I think is the correct Latinizing. Is it Martinus or Martinius? I think it's Martinus because I looked that up and I'm, it's Martinus. Okay, just, just <laughs> no curious. Extra. Here. Okay, yes. gotcha. That's right. The Martinius has the I in there means something different. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, I don't think it's it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a feminine name. No, but the proper male version of Martin is Martinus. Martinus cool. Gentis. Martin the Hammer. All right, Hammer. <laughs> you can't take it. Martin the Heathen. Martin the Heathen. That's right. Martin the Heathen. So you will see those names as we we kid ourselves and joke around more on www.snakesandotters.com. That's right. We've been right. posting a ton of content. We have, actually. In, including a, yes. an argument about steak that we had to yes, apologize. the great steak debate of 2021. <laughs> we had to apologize to Robert. That's right. <laughs> yes, that's right. My, my my face turns red even now, listeners. <laughs> uh, you can't see it, but it's there, yes. All right. Well, I had, uh, I had several more here. I kind of would like to move on from the martyrs, though. And okay. talk about some other pioneers. Sure. Because uh, I want to make sure we get these folks in during the episode, too. And the first one is Pam Greer. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, it would seem, well, that's just an actress. Well, yeah, but she's kind of a special actress. Um, obviously got famous in the black exploitation as they, films, as they came to be called. But really, she's the, kind of the first black woman action hero. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. And some of those black exploitation films, now they, they didn't have quite the production value. No. But doggone it, they were kind of fun. Yeah. And she's fun in them. They were. It, well, it was all of a sudden, it's kind of like the world didn't know what to do with black actors and actresses at that time because all right, of a sudden. It was no longer proper that the only role they had was as a maid or a butt. That's exactly right. And, and the world had figured this out. But they said, well, now what do we do? And then you've got, you know, and some of these are, are cheesy as hell. Yeah. Uh, but it was just it was just Hollywood <clears throat> figuring it out. I mean, well, Hollywood can be cheesy with white actors, too. Well, that's true. I mean, yeah. well, and, and early and, 70s was pretty damn cheesy a lot of time. I mean, I mean, yes, you've got the French Connection and The Godfather, but you've also got Blackula. Yes. And, and a few <laughs> of that, which was well, actually fun, mind you. Uh, right. But it's it, they're part of, you know, we talked about this, uh, that late 60s, early 70s, Neo-realism yeah. in films again. Trying French Connection is a very, very gritty crime film, which is uh, which would have never been done before. No, no. Uh, yeah, you're you're still coming out of the John Wayne westerns uh, like Rio Lobo, Rio Bravo, and some of the others, which you didn't have realism. That was right. that was well, not the intention. Hollywood was all about fantasy. Yeah. Yes. And the reason the seventies are such a stark difference is because. They went to everyday life. Yeah. Whereas all the movies before that, you recognize it's an idealized version of whatever. Yeah. That's why you could do an epic. Yeah. Sixties exactly. And nobody does those anymore. And right by the time you get to the seventies, the historical epic's dead. Well, I mean, at the time, Marvel comics, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's an epic. It's an epic. Well, this is true. But but at that point, again, it's a revival of those. It is. That's that's correct. Now, as of the yeah, as of the seventies, the historical epic or the epic film of any kind is basically dead. The musical's dead, Uh and people are again they're seeing. The Tet Offensive well, on their television. Right. Vietnam had a lot to do with it. And, that. you know, what's on what's at the movie theater is Beach Blanket Bingo. Not, you know. And right. on your TV, the Viet Cong are being executed. That's, there's right. a, there's yeah, a, that's why Gomer Pyle there's and the Hillabillies and Green Acres all died, and you get Maud. Yeah. And you get Archie Bunker. Yeah. And you, uh, later on, you get Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Which so is, films in the, in the 70s, they're, they knew realism was going to appeal to the audience. And then you're right. How then do what do the filmmakers do? And you make these black films that are also very gritty, Shaft and Coffee and uh, Foxy Brown. Coffee is the one that that I like. Uh, Pam Greer is excellent in it. It It's so much fun. Mm -hmm. And 
there is also a statement in these films too. Yes. In that there's a reaction against the paternalism of, well, the only roles we can let blacks have in films is like pimps and drug pushers. Right. In in, in, in a, a realistic right in a, in a Pam Greer film, there that there's there's no tolerance for it. That's what she's out to do. Right. She's a vent. Mm-hmm. She's taking on drug pushers, black or white, mm-hmm. and is really like, you know, it's this. It's not this. Well, that's an acceptable thing in the black community. Let them let them be pimps. It's okay. And this these films are a real strong reaction to that. In no, that, it's not okay. It's not okay right. to be exploitive of each other or of anyone else. And so, you know, coffee, she, uh, you know, kills a guy with a hairpin and it's... Kicks so, butt and takes names. Yeah, That's right. so and Pam Greer's still, uh, still out there and uh, she's a real pioneer yeah, when you yeah. start to think about her career. And it's pretty awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. Quinn yeah. Tarantino, again, a huge fan. Put her in Jackie Brown. Yes. Uh, yes, it was almost a revival of the black exploitation uh, uh, genre yeah. uh, in its own way because it's, it's somewhat similar. But yeah, I, I almost forgot about the Jackie Brown movie. Yeah, so. yeah Jackie Brown is a, it's based on an Elmore Leonard novel. Great, great writer. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I've got a bunch of Elmore Leonard on my shelf, and Quentin Tarantino bought the rights. I think it's to Rum Punch is the one Jackie Brown's based on. And swapped a couple things around and decided to make it a vehicle for, for Pam Greer. Yeah, you know, if you go to the mail side, I mentioned this during the, the uh, show prep, uh, Sidney Poitier <clears throat> is yes. the, the first, not quite superstar, but I mean, he, he, did, a, he did a crossover role, basically. Uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner oh. is the, the movie that he's mm-hmm. most known for, where he broke that barrier. Because unlike the, the Pam Greer stuff, where it was the, the black setting, so to speak, this is firmly yeah, this is, in the white world. <laughs> right, yeah, a black man in the white world, and articulate, handsome, and you know, he's the doctor and all that sort of stuff. The movie itself was an intention that was intentional in that. And it was, you know, Poitier has been one of the shining stars of cinema ever since then. I mean, To Serve with Love was huge. Lilies yes. of the Field was huge. What was the in one where he night. was uh, in the Southwest... Ended up building a church for nuns. That's to Lilies of the Field. Lilies of the Field. Okay. That's right. Yes. So I did not know the title of the movie. Yeah. But I remember the movie. He's excellent. But he's an excellent actor. It just goes to show. And he mainstreamed black acting in a mixed race setting. Yes. That could have never been done before. And it could be argued. I'm not sure anybody else could have pulled it off uh, at the time pioneer. he did it. You want to talk about pioneers? Yeah. Nichelle Nichols. I was I was kind of hoping Star Trek would come up with this. Yes, yeah, that's, she was, that's one I hadn't thought about. That's a really yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, she had a now granted it was a subservient in the sense that she was just the communications officer. She almost never went on uh, away missions, although she had a couple. Yeah, well, by the time third season came around, they gave her some meteor yeah. stuff. Um, you know, there's the first interracial kiss on television mm-hmm. with William Shatner. That's, right. that's her. Absolutely. And, you know, she nearly left the show. I was hoping you were going to tell the story. Because yes. she felt like it wasn't doing a good enough job, you know, to, to make, it wasn't making enough of a difference. Yeah. Right. And was it Hattie she, McDaniel? No, no. no she ran it? into Martin Luther King. Oh, was it, oh, that's, oh that's right. I was, she, no, she was there's, in there's it. a story with her and Hattie that's McDaniel, right. but I don't. Remember the uh, details of that. Possible, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, but the big dog, and she but talks about it in her, in her book. Yes. In her in her book, uh, she talks about this, and she's done it in many many interviews about how she because she was thinking of leaving after the second season. And she runs into Dr. King in an event, and she tells him about that. And he told her, and I, and I can, and she says, he said, you must not. And she was always struck by this, is because your position here is showing us as as capable as willing, wonderful partners in all of this, you're normalizing race relations. You can't leave. Right. And that's right. really what the role was. There was nothing about her role that had anything to do with her being black. Well, it, nothing. So it was just another officer on the crew. Exactly. And, and I think very that was also important, too. Very professional. There were, so, there were certain episodes where, you know, she's, she's getting, she's not afraid to get underneath and fix things. She's done that in one of them. One of the great moments of her is in the third season, and otherwise, not all that great episode, when Abraham Lincoln comes aboard, oh, yeah. the Savage Curtain. And he, and he says to her, and this was she was part of the scripting of all this when it went to, together. He says, oh, what a charming negress. And he says, oh, my goodness, my dear, I'm sorry. Uh, I, um, I didn't mean to offend you with that. She goes, why should I be offended, sir? 
in our century, we've learned not to fear words. Uh, and, and, and Kirk says each one of us has learns to be delighted with who we are. And he says, forgive me, my dear. Uh, I didn't realize that the foolishness of my generation was afraid of giving you offense when none was taken. It's a brilliant little thing about racism uh, during that time there that, in, that so clearly states just exactly what we're working yeah, that, towards. That's a great bit. Yeah. Yeah, it really is, it really is. yes. Again, it's the power of stories. Mm -hmm. The power of stories. Uh, whether yeah. they are made up sure. in Star Trek or the <clears throat> real ones. Star Trek's made up? What? <laughs> Sorry. Damn it, I left the cat out of the bag. That's right. Um, so you're so what you're saying is you're ready for Galaxy Quest and Star Trek's a documentary. I'm, uh, as long as I get to play the captain, okay. I don't have to play the captain. Science officer's okay. One of them. As Science long as officer. I just sign me up. Sign yeah. me up, I'll be there. Yeah. So uh, one more person I wanted to talk about, and again, isn't always looked at as this you know, great pioneer, but to me, he is, and he just recently passed, and that's why I wanted to make sure I added him to uh, our discussion, and that's Hank Aaron. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. We should all remember that moment, oh, gentlemen. Yeah. Oh, when, I do. When, he, when he broke I the record. I do not remember the moment, no. I, I, he was with the Braves at the time. Is yes. Is that right? Yeah. I, well, he spent almost all of his career with the Braves, either in Milwaukee or in Atlanta. And, um, yeah, I mean. Because he, he was traded he, to the Brewers after. No, 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 no. Uh, Atlanta Braves used to be the Milwaukee Braves. I know, but he went to the Brewers. Oh, yeah, well, after. That was after much, yeah. much later. That, that was, was the last like tail end. Tail yeah, the last yeah. two so years, right. I think make it was sure that I, yeah, 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 didn't sorry. get all that together. Uh, but that's went, right. I think he wanted to come back to Milwaukee. The, right. No, it's uh, because I remember, uh, and you guys know this, uh, baseball was big in my household growing up. Yes. Uh, we watched it all the time. Uh, every, and this was broadcast on national television when he broke yes. Babe Ruth's record. Right, because they're waiting for the record to be broken. Because yes. nobody had ever been able to do it. And they actually preempted prime time to show the moment at the stadium in Atlanta when he gets, you know, he breaks, after he breaks the record, the whole thing afterwards. And I was enraptured. What? Somebody broke Babe Ruth's record? I didn't know who he was, but I never forgot him after that. Mm -hmm. He's the guy. Yeah, he did something yeah, for a long time. I, for me, I always thought he was, you know, that they always have that greatest living ball player, kind of, and for the retired players. Sure. And yeah. sometimes it's Dan Musial or whoever. But to me, it has been Hank. It's, yeah, you know, yeah. This town, uh, we always listen to uh, the Reds on the radio yeah. mm -hmm. or the Cardinals, and of course, for a long time, I think the Braves and the Reds were probably in the same division. Of the yeah, National League. Time they would have been, yeah. So they played a lot, and that was on the radio a lot. And you heard about Dale Murphy, and you heard about Hank Aaron. Um, but, you know, not only being the home run king, but the first black man, and then overtaking a white man's record. Yes. So it, it, he was really a groundbreaker, and to me, he's still the home run king. Yeah. Okay, that, that other fellow that they played in in Pittsburgh and San Francisco. He, sorry, it's Hank, wow. and he overcame so much to be so great. Because again, he's he's a guy that played in the tail end of the Negro leagues. There was a time he wouldn't even been able to be in the major leagues, mm -hmm. right. yeah, and got into to the major leagues. And of course, and, you know, prior to him, Jackie Robinson, opened, you know, paved the way. Right. Yeah, he was the guy who made it possible for all the other guys to follow. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the other things that uh, Major League Baseball has done, uh, which I'm sure you have seen, uh, you may not have, uh, Francis. You probably did, or if you did, probably didn't think much of it because uh, you're not the baseball guy mm -hmm. uh, of us, but. Uh, the Major League Baseball has decided that the Negro League records now count as Major League uh, Yes, I statistics. heard that. I did yes. hear that, yes. So immediately the question was, well, what about Josh Gibson? You know, is he the new home run king? And unfortunately, no, because of his 900 and some odd home runs that, he's, that he supposedly hit, most of those were against non-professional, or not most, but a good deal of them were against non-professional teams. Kind of barnstorming, barnstorming games. Just, that yeah. was very much a thing in the in the yeah, Negro especially leagues. Especially the Negro leagues, yes. Yeah, you'd just travel somewhere, and some town would get together a team, and then Josh Gibson would drill yeah. the ball into the next pass town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. yeah, yeah, on five consecutive at-bats. Right. So, I mean, there's yeah. no doubt he could have been the home run king if he had, all, if he had played against all major league level right. uh, players. 
Because neither leagues, they were major league caliber players. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, they really were. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm glad that they're getting their. their and their they team. are. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think that's fantastic. That's terrific. Yeah, um, you know, and and you're right. You talk about Josh Gibson and Satchel Paige and oh, Buck yeah, Leonard Satchel Paige. Oh my gosh. And, and men like that. that. And then you talk. You start with Jackie Robinson, and then from there you Willie go Mays. Willie Mays, right. and and then on to Roberto Clemente and. Truly, one of the great humanitarians. Yeah, mm -hmm. and but Hank, uh, of course, I mean, there were death threats. Don't you? Yep. Pass that white man's record, and he, he which interestingly took enough took all of that stuff in grace. Roger Maris, he got the same death threats. Yeah. For <laughs> not not because you know that white man's record, yeah. but because he was going to break, or he was on his way to breaking Babe Ruth's single season season record. season, yeah. Uh, and he ended up with you know sixty one, and of course he. He almost had a nervous breakdown yeah. for doing that. I know, it's but, a shame, too. I mean, yeah. well, well, you know, death threats are nothing new, folks. We all know that. Unfortunately, right? no. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? When a black man yeah, that's a who's breaking ground receives it, it's a lot different. more serious. That's it's right. A, yeah, it's it a real thing. Be. It's a yeah. real thing. That's very much so. Um, but, you know, the in, the image of him, again, it was at home, a home game yes. in Atlanta. Yep. Yep. He, hits, County Stadium. he hit 715. And he's rounding the bases, and then there's a white man charging at him. But it was just somebody who wanted to hug him, right? Just somebody who wanted to scared the crap out of him. He just and he just kept on taking his bases. Yeah, but this guy's all, guy, those all of, people that came up and patted him on the back and, yeah. as he's trying to round the bases because you know he ha he has to touch all four for it to count. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. So it was just a guy that wanted to pat him on the back. Mm -hmm. um, for, and my goodness, how things have changed. Which yeah, kind of made this amazing. This was 1974. Three, four. Four. No, four. four. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's four. It's three or four. Yeah. But still, it's no more than 10 years after the passage of the Civil Rights That's Act. That's right. And yeah. Isn't that amazing how the world yeah. has changed? And, and you got to wonder. If, this is the South, too, folks. This is Georgia. It is. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe that's the best way to end this yeah. episode is talk about how the hell, you know, isn't that well, a good exemplar of how things have changed? I think it's a, I think all of these these positive Oh, no, stories. you're right. It's, uh see, it's, it is 1970. Oh no, I guess it isn't. It's 1973. Okay. 73. Yes. So nine years then after the yeah. Civil Rights Act. But you know, one of the things that that all of these. No, I'm wrong again. I'm I'm sorry. Please correct yourself. That's all right. We get it right. We always like to get right. Yeah. April eighth, 1974. Okay. okay. So it is right. it's very early in the 74 season. Yes. Uh, and because he, he had hit 713. In, I guess in uh, in late in seventy three. Yeah, we needed a little good news in April of seventy four because Nixon resigns only you know four months later. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a it's a tumultuous time, but you know, amidst all that tumult, the thing that I take from all of these stories now, granted, we take it more as observers than somebody who's directly impacted. Now, I recognize that. Yeah, uh, and maybe that detachment in that respect. Uh, maybe maybe helps us maybe grant a little bit of perspective uh, or a little bit of uh, uh, of an angle that maybe you don't always get, and, and or maybe not. Maybe I'm blowing smoke up up everybody's ass, but I think that all of these things, including the stuff that's gone on in the last year uh, with all the you know uh, protests against uh, the killings of uh, black men uh, and and, and women, women, yeah, here locally, here, here, yeah, here locally. Whether any of the shootings are justified or not is not the point. Right. Um, all of these moments and the fact that there's always a progressive groundswell of support for those who are oppressed or wronged by those who are not members of their group is shows that we don't always get it right as the United States, but we are always trying to get it right. Yeah. It's a long, slow road or road to hoe, if you want to use the uh, uh, that metaphor. And we'll take some steps forward and we'll take some steps back. Mm -hmm. But I think in general, the trajectory is always a positive one. It takes time and generations to really notice it. It does. And when you're in the middle of it, no, which is yeah, that's us. It, it's well, well, no, we're, we're not. post. We're post. You're right. Well, no, we're not even in the middle of the current stuff because we're just not. It, it doesn't affect us the same way it does 
those who are African American. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. No. I, I We're in the middle of it in the sense of we are observers. I'd like to think we are intelligent and thoughtful observers. Yes. And that's why, even for all of the horrible things that happen, I still see positive progress uh, as a nation. And you know, maybe that offends some people. If it does, you know, that's on you because over because a lot of people when they're caught up in the middle of everything, mm -hmm. they can't see the progress. To them, it's no different than 1866. And not everybody's like that, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but there are some who are. And there are some who still think that, you know, uh, as the current president once said about a former uh, political foe, that he wanted, that foe wanted to put all black people back in chains. Which is astoundingly stupid yeah. and offensive. Yes, that is. Uh, yet he said it. Didn't get any grief over it, uh, which goes to show that, you know, progressives and conservatives have a long way to go. Yep. Well, the political process tends to make people stupid. Of well, as we said, you know, you can't make uh, make peace or, or, or bargain with the devil. So everybody has to be destroyed. Yes. By whatever means are necessary. Okay, palate cleanse time. Let's move. Let's move on to actually... Um, we're getting right at it about 50 minutes. So I think it's really, it's time to wrap up. So Wonderful. Um, that, that episode really worked out. That was what I was hoping for. We had really good discussion and we kept some names alive, some stories, uh, kept those stories alive. And that's. Yep. And hopefully, you know, I encourage everybody, whenever we talk about something you don't know about, especially in the history of, go look it up. Go look up James Meredith and go that's look right. up yeah. Albert It's not Ogo hard. You don't, have, you don't have to do, you know, go to the library. You can, you've can. you got this little thing called the internet. <laughs> it's actually very helpful. Yes, it's all on your phone. That's right. The some, some knowledge of, of the world is in your hand. And yet, what are we doing? Taking Angry Birds and TikTok and, <laughs> uh, you know, Bejeweled and... Um, Candy Crush. Candy Crush, yeah. Yeah. You know, so all okay. those things. So well, anyway. Good episode, fellas. Yep. That was that, that was, was good. super where I wanted to go. Francis, it's your turn, man. What's up next? Tote of honor, boys. We have to come up with something to talk about next time. Mm -hmm. You know, we never are short for that. We've always figured out ways to give great quotations their due. Some, you never know where we're going to go. Uh, well, that's not true. Sometimes we have a theme, but not always. Uh, next month, no, it's wide open, folks. We get to talk about anything we want to. Wonderful stuff. Join us. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week. Same snake time, same otter channel.